0: Com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life And fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan Thanks for tuning in and God bless I use the microphone, let's try it again How are y'all doing? Good So I told Devin this morning on the way here I don't know if we're going to teach a Christmas series, but uh, I'll try to mention it as we go along. That's why you get the Christmas videos at the beginning, amen? Because I don't think we always have to, just because the season is Christmas, doesn't mean we have to preach on Christmas, amen? Okay, let's try that again. Apparently you guys don't get that. All right, you're offended. I'm sorry. That's how God works. Let's try that again. Just because we're in the Christmas season doesn't mean we're preaching Christmas, amen? Amen. So, uh, that last week, if y'all remember, I got up here, had a total message planned, was ready to preach it, and right as I walked to the podium, God changed my message. So, uh, it was like one of those moments where it was like, okay, well, I think we're going to turn to, and we went to Genesis, remember? Uh, it wasn't 315 like I thought, because I thought we were going to talk about prophecies of the Messiah, right? Well, it ended up being Genesis 1, and we talked about creation last week, Amen. So we got to know our Creator. So I said, what more of a perfect name for what I didn't intend on being a series than getting to know your Creator, amen? Because whether you believe He's your Creator or not, He's still your Creator. So you kind of might want to know, get to know Him a little bit, right? If you're tuning with us online while I'm carrying my water bottle around, uh, my name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. Thank you so much for joining with us online this morning. But what we want to do is invite you down to 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for worship because you're not getting the same thing online that you can get in the house. Amen? Okay. I'm glad there's two of you that agree with me this morning. See, that's what COVID did to the culture. It made them lazy. They don't want to get out now. They just want to sit at home and watch TV, right? We can watch it online. Why would I go to church, right? Well, the gospel, can I just give you scripture? The Bible tells, Paul taught it. I believe it was Paul. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as some are, what did he say? In the habit of doing. Okay. So as some are in the habit of doing, he says don't do that. And if you look at this culture today, you see a whole culture worth of people that think, oh, we can just sit at home. We're good, right? Not realizing that the Spirit's moving here. Not that I don't believe he can touch you there, but sitting on your couch, you're not getting much. Now, if you're one of those people that can't make it for whatever reason, you have a physical reason you can't get to church, that's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to those of you who are perfectly capable of leaving your couch on a Sunday morning and going to church. Okay, we're just going to be real this morning. Y'all ain't liking this already, all right. Well, blame him, not me. do god God's got a reminder, amen? So last week, we got to know our creator by talking about creation and talking about the science, the real science, of creation, amen? Because you see, the, this culture would like to have you think that science and God are two separate things, but they're not. Uh-oh, some of y'all ain't there. You weren't here last week, were you? This culture needs to understand something. God is the author of science. Just because man hasn't caught up with all of God's knowledge yet doesn't mean anything to me. See, a lot of times man would like to think they know more than God, but they don't. It's evident by looking at the stuff they're teaching some of these kids in school. We talked about that last week. They want you to believe you were a fish or something. It turned into a fish, I guess. And then the fish grew legs, went on land, suddenly it evolved into a frog. The frog somehow evolved into a monkey, and then bam, here you are. But see, that's not who God says you are at all. As a matter of fact, that's a lie. But we teach it in our textbooks as if it's true. I don't know if these grade kids have been taught that stuff yet, but uh, I don't remember what grade they start teaching that, but I know it's at least in high school. But here's the truth of the matter. Everything they've tried to call their evolutionary theory has been proven hoax almost immediately after they came out with it. But see, here's the problem. The author of your textbook gets to tell you what they want you to hear. Okay. Man, I'm by myself this morning, God. Okay, we're going to have a word Praise God. Me and God are just going to talk this morning. Amen? Can we talk about something? So we talked about creation last week. We talked about man being created in God's image. You weren't a monkey. You've always been a man. You always will be a man. There's no evidence of a link there. Never has, never will be. Right? Every species is their own unique species. This is how we know God exists. Because there is absolutely no evidence of a link, to, uh, link in species. There's none. There's zero. Even though your science books would love you to think there is. But you, you should be, if you don't believe me, you should just see some of these creatures who are so unique, there is no way they could have evolved. A hummingbird. Let's just talk about a hummingbird for a second. Y'all ready? I think it's somewhere around 264 beats a second is what their heart rate is at. That's fast, right? They have to drink enough nectar to keep themselves going. And they have to drink it regularly. However, somehow, when a hummingbird hibernates, not hibernates, what's the other word? Go south. Yeah, migrates. That's the word I'm looking for. When When a hummingbird migrates thousands of miles up in the clouds, the hummingbird will go thousands of miles without stopping until it reaches its destination. How does a hummingbird know where it's going? Mm -hmm. Science can't explain that either. But God can. God gave him a sense of direction. God creates man. He creates him in his image. Man makes a mistake. God gave him one rule. Look at your neighbor and say, you had one rule. And you blew it. Go ahead, finish it. Y'all didn't want to finish it. You're afraid you'll offend your neighbor. If you're that afraid, go ahead and turn to the other neighbor and say, you blew it. You had one rule to follow. The little kid comes into the room. Mom says, do not eat a cookie from this cookie jar. Mom walks out the room. What's the first thing the kid goes for? The cookie jar. And they get a cookie. Mom comes back into the room. Cookie all over the kid's face, right? He's standing there looking at Mama with a smile. Mama's like, did you eat a cookie? No. 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 Yeah, that might be true. Had like four of them, right? No. It's the same way with Adam and Eve. Come on. God gave him one rule. He said, don't eat. Those of you that want to blame Eve, Adam was there too. Problem is, Adam was too distracted on the beauty God had made. We call it woman. Y'all ever heard the old joke? where uh, Adam's standing there and the way woman got his name was when God created woman saying he could do better. Adam looked at the woman and said, whoa, man. And that's where she got her name. Amen. Okay. Come on. Come on. So y'all need to laugh. Y'all need to learn to live a little bit. Amen. It's not all serious all the time. Learn to laugh a little bit. If you can't laugh, you're going to be miserable in this life. Amen. All right, so Adam and Eve had one rule. Don't eat of the fruit of that tree over there. You can eat from any of the other trees you want in the garden. There's all plenty of plants. There's everything going on. Don't touch that one. That tree was the knowledge of good and evil. So what did man do? Well, woman was the one that got tempted, remember? But man was standing there when woman offered him a bite. And what did man do? Well, she did it. I guess it's okay. Right? They took a bite. Suddenly, out of nowhere, they realize we're naked. And they try to cover themselves. That's called shame. Anytime we do something we know we're not supposed to do, there is shame afterwards. Amen. Come on, y'all going to wake up this morning. So can I talk to you a minute for just a minute? And I'm going to go to Romans. Some of y'all thought I was going to Genesis 2, didn't you? Or Genesis 3. Go to Romans chapter 5. And I think I'm reading, yes, I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. Romans chapter 5. We're going to read starting out here, verses 18 through 21. When you get it, say got it. Y'all are quick, huh? All right, good deal. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 18, says this. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. That act it's talking about is Jesus giving his life on the cross, as you're going to find out in a minute. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, many will be made righteous. This is why you hear people talking about the second Adam. Jesus was the second Adam. We got the third Adam here this morning with us. I'm just kidding. Adam, his name's Adam. I'm just giving him heck. You don't know Adam. But we have two Adams. We have the first Adam who screwed up. Let's just be real We have the second Adam Which was Jesus Who got it right How do we know Man was tempted They ate the fruit Jesus came along The devil takes him and tempts him At least three that we know of That are written in scripture And Jesus overcomes the devil By resisting the temptation Which is what the first man Was supposed to do So Jesus came To get it right Look at your neighbor and say Jesus got it right all right. For justice through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Also through the obedience of the one, many were made righteous. The law was brought, check this out, this is interesting, so that the trespass might increase. What in the world does that mean? Well, when you study the Old Testament, there were no laws until Moses showed up. When Moses showed up, he heads to Mount Sinai. Now they have a written law, so man knows they are in sin now. Before we go on what... God originally had planned was that man would get it right they would live forever they'd be in the garden man messed up cost himself what happened the result was death but it wasn't death in the moment it was death to come for every man so now that is why your bible tells you is appointed upon a man once to die after that the judgment are you ready for judgment it is coming Now, you can tell me, you can tell everybody else in your life, you can't judge me all you want. But when you get to the throne of heaven, God doesn't care that you don't want to be judged. He's going to judge you for everything you've done. Now, here's the problem. If you're an unbeliever, judgment's coming. That's a bad thing for you, right? The good thing is for the believers, you're judged on what you didn't do. When you were at Walmart that time, God said, how come I told you to go talk to that lady? You didn't do it. Now, that ain't going to condemn you to hell because you're saved. Amen? Thank God for Jesus' blood. So the one Adam messes up. I better get back on task here. So what was I talking about? The law was brought in so the trespass might increase. So now all of a sudden, there's a written law. Now man knows that they're in sin. It's written on tablets. Here's the problem. You can't change a man's heart by a stone tablet. God knows this. God knows they're not going to live up. He knew it from the garden after they fell. Genesis 3.15. That's what we were going to talk about last time, but we didn't get to It's the first prophecy of the Messiah. Why? God knew he was going to have to redeem Man, because they weren't going to be able to live up to the expectations of God's holiness. So the law was brought. That's what it's talking about. So it's increased. So now you know about it. You got no excuse. Here's how you're supposed to live. Except we're not a bunch of legalists. We believe in salvation by grace. Doesn't mean you'll live however you want once you get saved. We're talking about that in class tomorrow, those of you in class. To, uh we're talking about that in our leadership classes because we just got through the books of first Corinthians and Galatians is what we just got done. I just recorded the lecture for that. It'll go up tomorrow morning, but that is what it's talking about. But where sin increased, here's the cool part, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That should have been an amen if you're a believer because that's what's saving you from your condemnation. Amen. You know, Jesus, you're good. You don't, you're not. But we can get you there. We can help you get there this morning. Amen. We're not here to condemn you. God's the one that's going to do that at judgment day. But we're here to let you know there's a way to escape that condemnation and it's Jesus. You have to go through the second Adam, the one that got it right. Jesus takes the ke- that takes the keys of death and Hades comes back on the third day conquers death now there's a chance for all of us to have life amen jump up to verse one there i want to show you where we're going to go today verse one of same chapter romans five verse one we're going to read here for just a second and we're going to talk y'all ready to learn some greek this morning okay well you're going to get to learn one word i'm not saying you're going to learn a whole class of greek but we talk about it this morning Uh, romans five verse one therefore since we have been justified through what is that word Faith. At least it is in the NIV. It should be in yours too. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by, what's that word? Faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's what I was trying to quote to you in the car this morning, Devin. Suffering produces perseverance. Amen. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, look at your neighbor and say, just the right time. God does work on a timetable. It's a perfect timetable. He is able to produce the exact time you're going to need, whatever it is you're going to need. Amen. For your journey. Because all of us are different. So you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, check out the next part. Christ died for the ungodly. He gave his life. He didn't have to, but he did. So that you could have eternal life. He had it good up there. Some of you ask the question, why did he do that? Well, I don't know. But I'm glad he did. Because God is love. God is love light so God is it's just not part of his character it's who he is why did he die because he loves you look at your neighbor and say God loves you now look at your number other neighbor and say no matter how messed up you are now point to yourself and say me too Because I don't want your neighbor on your right or left to feel condemned because you just told them no matter how messed up you are, right? Because we're all messed up. We all got issues. Here it says in verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. In other words, it's very seldom you're going to get someone that's going to give their life for you. However... Very rarely anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But check this out. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Here's the important part. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while you were spitting in his face... While you were ignoring him, while you were mocking him, while you were trying to tell people he didn't exist, God still loved you and he still sent his son to die for you. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus had you on his mind. That's right. He personally had you on his mind when he died that day at Calvary. Verse nine says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath, wrath, sorry, through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? If you don't know Jesus, you're an enemy of God. He still loves you, but you're an enemy of God. Oh, what do you mean? Well, how are you living every day? that tell you what I mean. See, we got a problem nowadays. We got a problem with Christians. It's not just our young people. It's our adults walking around out here living like hell all week long, acting like everybody else, and then wondering why nobody ever turns to them for help or prayer. Why is that? Because you don't got anything any different than they got. Why do they need to talk to you for? However, if you're born again, they ought to know you're born again. You ought to be facing some sort of persecution. Matter of fact, the worst one we got here in America, praise God, right now is you might get made fun of. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no, they're going to make fun of me if I say that. Well, poor you. Jesus died and took the condemnation so that you could worry about who's going to make fun of you at school or at work or walking out in this life everywhere you go. Jesus thought you were worth his time. Jesus thought you were worth his effort. So he died so you could have life. But here's the the deal. You got to choose it. You got to choose life. It's simple. You ask, he comes in. But see, man, I don't know how far I want to go into this. But see, that doesn't mean I said a prayer, I'm good. I got what people want to call fire insurance. I'm not going to hell now so I can live like I want all week. That is not what that means. Matter of fact, if we continue with this series like I think we're going to continue this series, you're going to find in the next one or two weeks where Paul's going to say, heaven forbid that you live like hell. Just because you think you're covered with grace. Heaven forbid that. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received, that's a big word, y'all ready? Reconciliation. What's reconciliation? You've been redeemed. If you choose. You can choose to not walk away, spit in God's face again. But here's the deal He died as a lamb before, but He's coming back as a lion. So you better get ready. Why do you think evil's trembling so much in this world? The lion's already roared, there's change coming. The enemy knows it, he's running out of time. Why Why do you think they're pushing so hard in your news and in your schools? They're trying to corrupt the generation. Why are they doing that? Because they're in a hurry. Because if they don't, get them corrupted. Because if they can corrupt the next generation, then get rid of the older generation. Then the older generation will be gone. They can change history. They're already trying to rewrite history. You ever heard of the 1619 Project? I think it was a 16, maybe 14, whatever it was. Basically... You're all racist, you're all nationalists, and America's where slavery was birthed. That's what they're telling you. That's a lie. Slavery's been around for a long time. I won't say the beginning because there was only two. There was no one to enslave, right? But it's been around for thousands of years. America was just doing what their culture did at the time, amen? All right. But did you notice they fought to free you? You see, while we're focused so much on the slavery of the black American, we're forgetting that the white Americans were enslaved too. What do you think the Revolutionary War was about? They were trying to get out from under British enslavement. They were fighting for the right to freedom, freedom of worship. Why do you think God chose America? Because America chose God first. See that's the difference. We got both flags represented: Israel and America. Those are God's two countries. How do I know? Well, the first time God chose Israel, He chose them to be His nation. Why He did? Well, there's more to that. I believe, and you can. A lot of us in the Book of Joshua. There's different places you can find it outside your Bible. Why did He choose Abraham? We don't really know if we read in the Bible, right? But we know He did, and because He did, now there's a covenant with that people. Well, what, what's up with America? Well, America came here looking for religious freedom, so they chose God. I don't care what they told you in your history book. That's a lie. America came here searching for God. The pilgrims, right? You know that story that, that we try to forget? The reason we celebrate Thanksgiving? They were looking for religious freedom in this country, and they got it amen so there's a word that you may have noticed a couple of times there at the beginning that I want to talk to you about today as we get ready to go y'all ready that was the introduction we good Woo! here we go some of y'all giving me some stern looks especially the youth they're like oh my gosh he's just getting started yep buckle your safety belts here we go y'all ready that word there is that word faith Uh uh-oh What is that word in the Greek? Well, in the Greek right there, remember where it said, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Those two translation along with every translation of the word faith this morning. In the Greek the word is pistis. What does the word pistis mean? Well the word pistis means a Greek word. It's used two hundred and twenty five times in your New Testament. Are you guys ready? Told y'all to hold on, buckle your safety belts. It means, and I love this, this actually I think came out of the NIV exhaustive concordance. I love how this was worded and I've used it ever since. That word pistis there means this, belief, trust, check this out though, this is the important part, with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. So what's faith? It's not just believing something. It's living a life that proves you believe what you claim you have faith in. Oh, Am I going there, God? If you have faith in government, your life shows it. You have faith in Jesus, your life shows it. If you think government's going to save you, you got a hard pain coming. Because it's not. Government in all of history over the 6,000 years or so we've been around has never been able to smooth things out. Man has never gotten it right. So if you're depending on government, I feel sorry for you. You're in a world of hurt. They're going to let you down, but here's one that you can't depend on, Jesus. And he will always lift you up. All right, so let's talk about faith. Y'all ready? Now keep that in mind. It's not just a belief or trust. It's an implication based on actions that show you believe and trust that. That means when you don't feel so good and you're walking around your house saying, I am healed by the blood of Jesus, the fact may be I don't feel good right now, but the truth is I'm healed by the blood of Jesus and when you proclaim your faith healing and then you wonder how you were healed that night or the next day that's why you spoke it into existence i'm not gonna get back on the tongue it's got some power right the bible says there is life and death in the power of the tongue you know what science says the same thing but god knew it first Y'all ready? Here's what science says. Your brain is so powerful. You can think yourself sick. You can think yourself well. Do you know what they also tell us in science? In science, they tell us that your tongue, when you speak words out of your mouth, your body reacts to whatever you spoke. So if you're always walking around speaking negative all the time and then wondering why your life is turning out negative, can I help you out? That's why. But if you're walking around speaking positive over your life, speaking life over your situation, whatever it may be, and you're continuing to speak that, that's why you don't get sick as much. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, that's just science. Come on. Who's the author of science? God. I don't care what man told you. They're the ones that thousands of years later finally figured out what the Bible already said was true. Amen. All right, Matthew 9. Here we go. Y'all ready? Got those safety belts buckled. Jesus stepped into a boat. Matthew 9, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Let me get a drink. Y'all wearing me out. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Uh Uh-oh. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk check this out but I want you to know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins so he said to the paralyzed man check this out get up take your mat and go home then the man got up And he went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to a man. What is going on here? here well I got a point I want to get to but can I explain to you something here in your text let's look at the context for a minute suddenly this paralytic whose friends thought Jesus could heal him apparently so they drop him down through a roof and they bring him down and Jesus is sitting here and he talks to him and he says son your sins are forgiven but you see the first part there he said some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat Jesus saw, what did it say? It said he saw their faith. Same word, pistis. Their actions showed they had faith that Jesus could heal this paralytic, or they wouldn't have brought him to Jesus. Uh oh. So suddenly, Jesus just goes out and says, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven well that'll get religion talking y'all ready because religion talks y'all get ready here's religion religion they're talking and we're talking about the teachers of the law amen i'm a pharisee i earned this title all of you are beneath me and you're all a bunch of losers and hypocrites but thank god i'm not one of you this is their attitude y'all think i'm joking this was their attitude This is religion. So what's religion say? Now, they're not wrong, all right, in their thinking. Because if you read that story, they're not wrong as far as thinking only God can forgive sins. They're not wrong in that. So in their minds, they're defending their faith. Who does this man think he is? He's speaking blasphemy. He can't forgive sins. God is the only one that can forgive sins. And they're thinking this in Jesus. See, now see, there's more details in the story if you read it in Luke, I believe it is. And you can read more about this story. But that's why I said they drop him through a roof. I believe this is parallel, all right? So they got this guy sitting here. And now the Pharisees are like, well, he's blaspheming. So they're going to defend their religion. Why do you say religion? Because these religious leaders were caught up in so many le- so much legalism and so many rules that they missed Jesus. That's what religion will get you. You don't want religion. Trust me, you want to steer clear of religion. It's going to get you into a whole lot of hurt. Now I know what the world thinks. The world thinks that Christianity is a religion. And you know, I'll go ahead and correct them, but they're not going to understand because they don't get godly things because they're just in the world, right? But here's the deal. Christianity is not about religion. It's never been about religion. It's always been about a relationship with God. Religion, you want religion, go seek after Buddha or somebody, all right? You don't want God if you want religion. If you want religion, you want legalism. That's what you want. I got to follow so many rules. I got to do so many things right or I'm not going to make it to heaven. That's religion. That's legalism. That'll get you to hell. But wait, I'm trying. Well, it don't matter if you're trying. There's only one righteous, and that was Jesus. But his blood is why we are declared righteous. Now, I think we're going to talk about that later on in this series, so I'm not going to get there today. All right, so so they start thinking, this guy's blaspheming. Jesus sees their thoughts. So here's what Jesus is doing. Y'all need to understand something. Now, I don't have the address. I wish I did. I almost got it this morning, but I didn't get around to it. In Deuteronomy... Jewish law talks about prophets, right? If a prophet has really been sent from God, then whatever they say will come to pass. If they're not, whatever they say won't come to pass, and God says, don't worry about them. They're a false prophet so what is jesus demonstrating to these men now here's the cool part so you got prophets like isaiah who probably suffered persecution saying a virgin will give birth and it was 700 years before it happened so yeah he might have got persecuted a little bit but here's the deal jesus is proving to these guys right here he's like i'm the supreme prophet you want something i'm him I'm God. What do you mean? Well, look what he says. They start thinking these thoughts, and Jesus looks at him and said, Why are you entertaining evil thoughts? Look at this. Jesus is getting ready to demonstrate his power. Y'all ready? Now, here's the deal with what Jesus did in this story. It didn't take time. Jesus being God in the flesh, what he spoke immediately happened. He was proving to the religious knuckleheads, that he was who he said he was. Here's what he did. Why are you thinking evil thoughts? Which is easier to say. And I love this because he's proven a point. Yeah, you're right. Only God can forgive sins. But since I'm God, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. All right? But check it out. He says, so what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But he also came back with something. Did you notice something? Even though they were acting religious and legalistic, Jesus still loved them. Here's how you know. Even though I'm sure they got on his nerves on more than one occasion, right? Wanted to give him the holy backhand, but didn't because he's Jesus and he thinks better than we do. He probably didn't have that thought. Don't go there. He's perfect. We're not, right? That's what what I'd have thought. I'm going to slap you out, right? All right, but he says... Get up and walk. He says, but I want you to know. This is it. This is the key, right? I want you to know that the son of man, talking about himself, all caps there, son, man, capitalized, has the authority to forgive sins. So watch this, right? Now, he probably didn't do it all smirky like that, but I love it, right? It's good to entertain, right? Because he's religious people, I'm telling you. Jesus looked at him and say, Get up, take your mat, and go home. What happened? Now it might have took him a minute, but in the Bible it says immediately, because you remember he hadn't had legs in a long time. So his legs might have been weak, I don't know. But the deal is he got up, took his mat, and he went home. You realize these people got persecution later? What are you doing carrying your mat? It's Sunday or it's the Sabbath. It wasn't even Sunday back then, right? It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful that you carry your mat. Remember that story? That was the guy at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, he gets up and he like, well, I don't know what y'all think, but I know that this guy healed me and he told me to take my mat. So when I got up and walked, I took my mat and I'm following what he has to say. I don't care what your legalism has to say. I care what Jesus had to say because he's the one that made me walk. Now that was a different story, so I've shifted, but I get back to this one. All right, so he gets up and he walks and it talks about the people and they are amazed. That God would give this authority to a man. So here's what I want you to catch as we continue here. Sometimes it's the faith of others that gives us the strength to get our miracle. What do you mean? Well, we talked about it earlier before I got off on the tangent about what Jesus was doing. But remember he said some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a bat when Jesus saw what? Their faith. It was their faith. That set this man free. So sometimes God uses the faith of others to set us free. Now it doesn't say the man wasn't thinking it already too, because he probably said, "Oh yeah, go ahead and take me there, right?" If he's got a chance at healing, would you have backed down? Been paralyzed your whole life? How? Can I give you another example in Matthew fifteen? there's a woman. She comes to Jesus. She's not even a Jew. She's a Gentile. She comes to Jesus about her daughter who is demon possessed and is throwing herself all over the place and just acting crazy, right? She comes to Jesus seeking a miracle for her daughter. Jesus is sitting at the table. And when she asks for this, Jesus looks at her and says, it's not good for me to throw the dogs. What's been given to the people? Now, how would you like to be called a dog? Because in a way, Jesus was testing her faith. Watch what happened next. The woman with such great faith on behalf of her daughter said, yes, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the master's table. So what happened? Jesus looked at her, and this is the response there in verse 28 of chapter 15. Jesus said to her, woman, you have great, what's the word? Faith, that's the same word, pistis. She made the journey to Jesus even though there was no guarantee when she got there. Because you got to remember the New Testament wasn't written yet. Some of y'all forget that. These people are living it. Like you and I are living the miracles we're seeing nowadays all kinds of them, people coming out of the wheelchairs, walking, people being raised from the dead. We're seeing all these things happen right now. There's a great revival going on in Iran. Some of you missed that one. Was it just the other night, Devin? I know it's been going on for a couple of years. A man appears to 200 Iranians that were Muslim, believe it or not, originally. Mm -hmm. They were in Hamas, or it was affiliated with that somehow, right? In Gaza, it's Gaza, right? In Gaza, a man appears to all these men in a dream wearing white. It's Jesus. They all have the exact same dream. 200 men get delivered on the spot. Because Jesus spoke truth in who he was. We're not worried about what the world calls the truth. See, they think you got many truths, right? Those are called opinions, Those are called opinions. They're not truths. I know you've been lied to and told. There's all kinds of truths. No, those are called opinions. There's one truth. I've said this before, but for some of the young people in the back that are smirking and looking at me right now, let me go ahead and give you the evidence. You go ahead and jump off the roof here in just a minute, and you say, I don't believe in gravity on the way down, and I guarantee you, you're going to be splat on the pavement. You know why I know that? Because there is a truth that is at work, and that is gravity is a truth. So, no matter how much you reject gravity on your way down you die why that's the truth you can't change that i'll give you another one y'all ready the sun is hot that's the truth you know how i know it Well, will go try to fly close to the sun see what happens you're gonna burn up as soon as you leave the earth's atmosphere y'all ready that's truth you want another one let me give you another example of truth not many truths but truth two plus two is still four last i checked at least in the english language so no matter how much you want to believe two plus two is five doesn't change the fact that it's four that's not your truth that's an opinion Your opinion doesn't matter at that point. See, this is what I'm trying to get across to you. Opinion means nothing when it comes to truth. But God, you stand before him on judgment day, but God. And there's even an example in your Bible. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many miracles in your name? Did we not do this and this and this? And God says, guess what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He didn't ask for their version of the truth. He just spoke the truth. I don't know you. Bye. Poof. Poof. Trap door. You're gone. Now, that's only in my brain, right? My brain goes many different places, right? Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, it says, Just that a woman. Now, Jesus is on his way somewhere else. Go read your text. He's on his way somewhere else to heal somebody else. And I believe it was Jairus' daughter who had died. And Jesus was on his way to heal her. And then this, this woman shows up, Matthew 20. Just a woman, now there's more details once again, I believe it's in Luke. Just in a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touched his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned to saw her, and he said, take heart, daughter. Check this out what he says to her. Your faith, same word, pistis, has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When you look in other gospels, you find that this woman had searched doctors She had went many places looking for help. No one could help her. She heard Jesus was coming through town, and suddenly she's like, I just got to get to Jesus. So she passes through the crowd. Some of y'all need to pass through the crowd. Because in the crowd, there are naysayers. In the crowd, there are people telling you you can't do it. In the crowd, there are people telling you you'll never amount to anything. I know I was one of them, right? You'll never amount to anything. That's in the crowd. But she didn't care about the crowd. She wanted to get to Jesus. Because it was a touch from Jesus that changed her life. Because it's our own step of faith that gets us our miracle. You don't have faith. That's why you're not saved. Can I just just be real with you this morning? If you didn't have faith that God could save your soul from hell, if you didn't have faith in that, you would have never asked him in. Unless you were just acting in emotion. There's a possibility of that. Yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I better pray this prayer, right? Well, there's no certain prayer that's going to work. It's your prayer. Even though I give a model prayer at the end of every Sunday's message, there's no no certain words you have to use to be saved. It's your words. It's your heart. It's your repentance. It's your change. It's your faith that sets you free. It's not my faith for you. It's your faith that sets you free. There's many people out here that don't believe he can save them. That's why they're still living in the world. That's why they're still miserable. That's why they're still living without hope. That's why they don't see a hope. We are to be a hope to the dying generation. We have truth. We're to give it to them freely. Jesus made another statement there in Matthew 17, verse 20. Now, I have to remember the story. I didn't pull it up, sorry. He replied, because you have so little fail. oh i know what it was the story is the disciples a man had brought their son who had demon possessed to them and if i'm not mistaken this takes place right after mount of transfiguration they're coming down the mountain the three that were with jesus and there's a group of people down here having a ruckus because there's a man who needed a son to be delivered from a demon and he brought him to their disciples and they couldn't cast the demon out So they ask a question, Jesus, why couldn't we cast the demon out? Jesus gives them a response in verse 20, because you have so little, what's the word? Faith, pistis, very good. You have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith, there's that word again as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you now many people miss this verse because here's what the verse is actually saying when you translate it in the context you guys ready if you'll just begin with a little bit of faith from there faith grows I'll give you an example. If you, anybody watch The Chosen. All right, all right. Awesome show. Peter has a financial deficit. He owes lots of tax money because he didn't pay his taxes, right? He's in debt. He's getting ready to go to jail for the rest of his life or at least sell his daughters, whatever, who is slavery just so he can make up for the debt. He's getting ready to lose it all, right? Jesus shows up. Peter's been fishing all night with a few of the other disciples they get there the next day his brother Andrew's like hey that's him that's the guy I was telling you about right now I'm talking about the chosen now are you ready so they go to the shoreline and you have (coughs) Andrew and Peter in a boat Jesus is teaching Jesus asked Peter can I borrow your boat why because we didn't have microphones back then So you get out on the water a little bit, your voice carries, and it echoes, and everybody can hear you, right? So it would help them hear if they were on the water. Can I borrow your boat? Peter's like, sure, whatever, right? And now Jesus is teaching a story, and then all of a sudden he's standing there on the shore, and Jesus says, now cast your line on the other side. What did Peter respond? Peter responded how many of us would respond, right? Lord, I've been fishing all night. I caught nothing. I'm telling you, there's no fish down there. Jesus says, cast it on the other side. All right, whatever. At your word, I'll cast it. Throws his net. And y'all remember, I love the visual. Chosen did an awesome job with the visual in this show. Peter, and they're right there on the shore. That's another amazement for me. Peter throws the net in, and then suddenly after a second, and I love Jesus' smirk, and I think I talked about this just a few weeks ago, but Peter's sitting there, see, and Jesus is like, hmm. And about that time, after Jesus goes, hmm, the boat goes whoosh, and all of a sudden he's got to catch a fish that he can't even number, and he's calling other people to help him get the fish into the boat. That's how God works. Do you know, there was a mustard seed worth of faith planted in Peter that day. And what happened is, Peter said, okay, I'll follow you wherever you go. Or he says, what can I do? In the chosen, he said, what can I do? Jesus said, follow me. He said, okay. So he followed. Now, there were other moments Peter had doubt. Have you watched the series? Now, this is a series. It's not completely, they're just giving ideas because it's a series, right? Some of y'all need, just need to quit judging and just enjoy them promoting Jesus, right? Peter had other questions. He had other things come up. He had time when he was mad at Jesus. How come my wife had a miscarriage, but I'm walking with you, but these other people keep getting healed, Jesus? See, that's it. That's how faith grows. But if you trust him in this season, next season's going to get a little bit easier to trust. Next thing you know, you're moving mountains. Wow, I don't even know if I'm going to get to all this. Y'all ready? Woo, 927. I think I'm about done. Yeah, I am. All right, you ready? Jesus went. I don't think I even finished reading 1720. If you have faith as little as a mustard seed used to say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I don't remember if I read that, so I read it again. Are y'all ready? Verse 27 in Matthew 9, it says, as Jesus went on from there, past the woman who had the issue of blood, he keeps walking. As he went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, y'all don't realize that's part of their faith right there. Son of David. Who is David's ascendant supposed to be or descendant supposed to be? The Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came into him and he asked, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to what did he say? Your faith. According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Why did Jesus say, don't give my name to anybody? Don't tell anybody that I did this. It wasn't time for that yet. But guess what happened? They did what humans do. And they told everybody. That's kind of like your little kids. You know, you got them living at home about the size of Josiah and Ella. And you give them a secret, right, that they're supposed to keep. Or they overheard you say something. The next time you're in front of your relatives. Come on. Any of y'all been there? Yeah. They tell on you, right? That's what people do. It's part of their nature. It's our faith to do whatever it takes to reach him. That gets Jesus' attention. Whatever it takes. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I believe Hollywood tried to make that a famous line not too long ago. Remember that movie? Avengers? Endgame? Whatever it takes. Guess where they got that? The Bible. Come on. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. If I'm going to reach Jesus, I'm going to do whatever it takes. That means I may have to go through some persecution. That means I may have to go through some tribulation and some difficult times. But guess what? At the end of the day, I still know he is my provider. He is Yehovah Yireh, the Lord God, my provider. So while the rest of the world is falling apart, I can stand and smile at you and laugh. You know why I can stand and smile and laugh? Because I got hope. But it's not just for me to hold that hope. It's for me to tell somebody else about that hope. You know Jesus great. Go tell somebody else about him. Jesus replied, Matthew 21, 21. Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree. See, they were all amazed about a fig tree. It wasn't even the season for figs at that point. Jesus walked by one day and he was a little, he wanted something to eat. Well, the fig tree hadn't produced anything. So Jesus is like, from this day forth, you won't produce anything. Okay, come back the next day and it's dead. Jesus, how did this happen? That's why he's talking about a fig tree. Y'all ready? I had to give you a little background there. Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Can I give you a verse to close on since we're talking about faith? Hebrews 11.1, the faith chapter. Y'all ready? I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Now faith... Is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's how you know you got faith. You're speaking debt cancellation, the debt's still there, but you're still speaking it because you know the day's coming when that debt's going to be canceled. That's faith. That is probably the reason you're going to see it happen. However God chooses to do it, amen? Sometimes he does it on the spot with a miracle. Sometimes he says you need to get to work. All right. I think I'm done. Y'all ready? We're going to have some prayer time. Shh. You came in here today And your life's a little messed up at home. But you put on a good front because you don't want anybody to know about it. You put on a happy front, put on a smiling face. You come walking in the door, you act like everything's fine, but it's really not. You get home and there's misery, there's defeat, there's issues, there's problems because life that's what it does it hands you problems. You need prayer this morning. I'm going to have you an opportunity now to come down and pray. All I'm doing is setting up the music. Pastor Brett's coming down. Pastor David, if you want to come down. We're going to have an altar call. Now, if you need to go, we understand. You can get out of here. We'll see you next time you come. But we're going to take some time to pray because that's what we do in this house. That's how come we keep seeing the miracles. Amen? Because we just keep praying. Oh, and for those of you tuning with us online, thank you so much for joining with us today. God bless you for tuning online. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it starts by asking. You have to ask him in. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose in the third day. Becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Your name I pray. Amen. Prayed that prayer from the bottom of your heart. You meant it from the bottom of your heart. I'm here to say congratulations. Welcome to God's family. It's that easy. You ask. Now, how you live tomorrow determines whether you received it or not. What do you mean? Well, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect tomorrow. Sometimes you have to work. We're all working out our salvation. But you ought to be at least trying to be perfect. What? You got to try. You got to put forth some effort. That's how we know. The fruit you bear is how we know if you really receive Christ or not. But if you did, congratulations. Welcome to God's family. Your next step is baptism. You need to be baptized Following in Jesus's footsteps, you need to find you a good church home that you can go to and be discipled. Whether it's this one or another one, you need to find a church home and you need to become a part of that church and get discipled because that's what we're commanded to do. If your church is not doing discipleship, you need it's time to run and go. You got to be discipled. Thank you so much for joining with us online. God bless you. We'll see you next time.